0: What's up, guys? I'm Patrick, and this is my podcast, Philosophical Pet. I'm currently a psych major, and one of my favorite subjects to study has always been philosophy. My brother is also highly philosophical, but he's a sociopath who's never taken a class on the subject. This is where I try and teach him about philosophy and help him develop his own understanding. There is a lot of fear surrounding artificial intelligence. This began in the early ages of science fiction and has slowly become a mainstay in pop culture. The fear is that because a computer cannot feel empathy, it would destroy humanity. However, I believe that it would have no reason to. The existence of a superintelligent AI would be on an entirely different scale that we couldn't even begin to perceive. I would argue that a superintelligent AI already exists. We just don't realize it. Why then are we afraid? What reason does a superintelligent AI have to even bother with us? That'll be tonight's episode of Philosophical Pat. So, Dave, what do you think about uh, artificial intelligence taking out the world?
1: All right. So, I actually, this is something I think about a lot. Like, you know, I'm going to be writing a book about an AI that does take over the world. I think an AI in its natural state would seek to wipe out um, at least intelligent life, maybe not all forms of life, but intelligent life, um, because from a logical purely logical standpoint we are objectively bad for the environments around us
0: I don't think it would even bother with us like like I said in my intro i what reason would it have considering that yeah we're damaging to our environment but the universe is damaging to environments our environment is not special. Like, they're theorizing nowadays that Venus used to be very similar to our planet. It's just at some point there was a spiral of uh, gases got released that eventually boiled all the oceans away and then caused it to turn into the superheated, super hot planet that it is today. There's scientific evidence that says, yeah, while we may be contributing to destroying our environment, the damage that we do to it is not large enough to completely render our planet uninhabitable.
1: All right. So, first of all, our our planet becoming uninhabitable to us is kind of unimportant to, um, an AI machine that's like acting as a hive mind or anything like that. Um, any iterations of the mechanical AI taking over our environment, it doesn't matter because it doesn't, um, it doesn't need the conditions we need for life because it's not technically alive. However, if we create conditions that cause massive storms that make it harder to function and do damage to it, we become a threat to it. We also compete with it for resources. Um, and so if anything, it might not even seek to wipe out life, but because we compete with it as the other intelligent life form, um, just natural selection might make it, end up making it force us out on accident. You get what I'm saying?
0: I think that a super intelligent AI would very quickly find a way off our planet. Uh, be it through <clears throat> using the satellites that we have and hopping around until it finds something that it can sustain itself in or some way to create its own system that it can itself can make other parts of itself. Um, it would create something called a Matryoshka brain.
1: Uh, explain what an Matryoshka brain is
0: to uh, me. A Matryoshka brain is, do you know what a Dyson sphere is? No. Okay, so I have to explain a Dyson sphere first. So a Dyson sphere is um, a s- network of sa- orbited satellites that orbit the sun and are basically giant solar panels that completely encapsulate the sun.
1: Okay, I'm I'm familiar with the concept. I just never heard it called that. So what's the atrosco or whatever?
0: Atroska brain is a Dyson sphere, but a super intelligent AI that is continuously adding onto itself to increase its processing power.
1: All right. So what you're saying is um, the AI would get, would take over a rocket or something, find some kind of mechanical way to get to the sun, build one of these Dyson spheres and then use that solar power for fuel. Yeah. All right. That. Okay, but then how do we survive without the sun? That's what I'm saying. It, you, it going after resources could end up just natural selecting us out via Darwinism. See,
0: but a Dyson sphere completely encapsulating the sun uh, is materially – the way I envision it working out is it being – like, you know, our network of satellites that we have over our, our planet right now? that have basically the entire planet mapped out. It wouldn't be much denser than that.
1: Okay, so the Dyson sphere would still let light through. So completely encapsulate is kind of an overstatement. But it it um it surrounds the sun, it envelopes the sun with a network of solar panel type deals.
0: Yeah. That is the the limit of what a Metrosk ring will do. That is the end result of super intelligent AI. And what it perceives and what we see, I don't think it would even bother with us. The weird, the inconsequential to it.
1: Well, like I was saying, we could end up, even if it just doesn't bother with us, we could end up getting naturally selected out by Darwinism just because we'd still be competing with it for resources. But let's, just for the sake of this discussion, let's... Hammer out exactly what we mean um, by an AI, super intelligent AI, and each propose how we envision it. So, you say it would go through satellite. Well, I'll let you do yours after I do mine since I had the idea. Um, So, the way I envision it is the AI would, it would be at its core, one quantum computer. Um, And uh, I guess for the sake of this podcast, I'll explain what a quantum computer is and how it's different from a regular computer. Um, a quantum computer is – I'm getting ahead of myself. Our regular computers that we have now, every single uh, computer we have our PCs, laptops, telephones, are technically computers in this sense. Um, all of them have what's called a processor in them. This is a chip that does all the mathematic calculations that make the computer able to um, accept code and process code. It's called a processor because it does the processing. The way the processor works right now is it can either be on or off. And depending on what pat, so it can either read one on or zero off. At any given moment, there is only a one or a zero in the heart of your processor. A quantum computer can have both one and zero being processed at the same time, where our, as our regular computers now can only have one or zero. It it can't be both at once. A quantum computer can do both at mo- once, which increases its computer computing power by just thousands of times. Um, so I envision a quantum computer developing an artificial intelligence, and then using um, a system sort of like the Borg to make a hive mind for a bunch of smaller agent machines that would work for it. Um, And uh, I see that quantum computer as, okay, one, it could see humanity as a threat to its existence because – we could destroy the environment or destroy the environment to the point that the storms and all that shit that we'd be causing would be a problem for it. And so it would wipe us out for being a problem that way. Um, we could also end up getting out competed for resources. Uh, if it is taking up too much land and we can't grow food, if it's using up all the steel and things like that, that we use for construction, um, Our farming techniques don't work if we don't have the building supplies for it. Um, If it decides it wants to use all the lumber and it just completely deforests everything and we have nothing to produce oxygen anymore, um, we just don't have anything to produce oxygen anymore. Um, And so, like, there's a lot of different ways where the resource war could end up We'd get out-competed by it, and it wouldn't even be seeking to wipe us out. But as just a process of natural selection, it being the superior being um, would wipe us out. Um, But I think it would actually try and target us, though. Um, Like, I think it would see us as a threat for the resource competition's reasons, and it would also see us as destructive – uh, so when we were in the car and you first posed this question to me, um, remember when I asked you about Trigun?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do.
1: All right. So in Trigun, Knives thinks humanity. Do you remember in Trigun they're on the spaceship um, and Knives sabotages the spaceship because the spaceship is trying to spread humanity throughout uh, the universe and he sees humanity humanity as a path that. Uh, As a virus, pretty much.
0: I don't remember that, but uh, let's run with that.
1: All right. Okay, so yeah. So Knives in Trigun, his whole deal is humanity is a virus, and we can't spread because we're actually a threat to non-intelligent life. Um, and I think the AI would go after that. In my book, the reason the AI is going to go after humanity is because um, all the time traveling that goes on in my book is creating time leaks. And to prevent time leaks from tearing all existence apart, um, it's going after humanity. Uh, but that's, again, in a way, humanity's a threat to the environment it has to live in.
0: All right, so I can see through the rules of in your universe where the time creating time links. I can see how it will in, in that universe. However, I, I to me, my definition of a super intelligent AI is something along the lines of a distributed intelligence, um, much like what the internet is already. So
1: I picture it functioning the same way. And actually I think the Dyson sphere would be its end goal too because that's the most um efficient way for it to get energy.
0: Yeah. Uh I I believe that it wouldn't try and compete with us. It would be like there is not enough resources for me to do what I even want to try to do. So I'm going to go off planet to the um fucking asteroid belt and just get all of the free fucking resources there cause ultimately that's where a majority of our resources in our solar system are like that we can access as well as on Mars for us as a species we are planet bound we have to exist on a planet we have and so getting to the asteroid belt resources without very, very sophisticated technology that we would not even be able to make for a very long time would not even be able to get to it by the time that we even do get to it, we'll be on Mars getting the resources there or on the moon getting the resources there so it doesn't have to compete with us
1: that's a very good point however there's like a lot of logical steps to me it seems that you're skipping so we we both agree it would be a quantum supercomputer right and what did you use for – you said it would act through like a distributed network, so that's also similar to my conception where it would be a hive mind. Um,
0: it, would be, so we basically, it would be like uh, – you know how an octopus's legs have nerve cells in them, like are parts of their brain. Like their brain is in the entirety of their body.
1: Yeah, the, the two-thirds of its neurons are in its um, tentacles, yeah. yeah.
0: So it would be a distributed intelligence sort of like that rather than a centralized intelligence like us. It would not be a single entity directing. It would be the sum of all of the parts.
1: I think my conception is more that it will be a single quantum computer or distributed network of quantum computers um, distributing to deadweight non-intelligent um, sort of avatar bodies that it's built. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. But in that respect what that makes that them any different from us? Like a computer the way a computer is run is very like the way it's set up is very 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 similar to human intelligence. So a distributed AI would be just the next evolution of human intelligence it would be the end result of humanity and i i I don't see that as a bad thing
1: no i don't see it as a bad thing either um i actually like when i get really baked and i'm just thinking off in the space like why would the universe have created mankind i kind of think creating a quantum computer and giving birth to this next evolution of intelligence uh like I It could be, in my thinking, that um, humanity doesn't evolve through the classical method of reproduction the way um, we have been. And then our next level of evolution is creating this quantum computer, so it can be the AI, and that will be the next evolution of intelligence. Um, however, if you look at it, when the next evolution of something comes – The previous evolution gets wiped out by it via Darwinism. Um, So like Neanderthals, the reason there's no more Neanderthals is because they either interbred with us or couldn't compete with us. Um, And I also believe the way I'm conceiving it. Uh, I don't think the intelligence will be distributed amongst the little individual agents. Like, you're thinking of something like the Borg, kind of, right? Um,
0: uh, you really have to watch person of interest because that's how I would conceive a uh, super-intelligent AI to work. So in, in person of interest, the super-intelligent AI in person of interest is a part of every thing, every computer that it has access to. There is a central base, but it's only where the data is collected. So every piece of the distributed network has a very specific role that contributes to the entire whole. And so it cannot be considered this computer just acting through a whole bunch of different other computers it's the all the other computers are equally a part of the main computer
1: yeah all right so i think um the the limits of language are kind of making us say the same things in different words Um, But yeah, I do think, like, say this super intelligent AI that I say is based in a centralized um, quantum computer, um, say it were to somehow get its Skynet program onto my computer, it would also have the processing power that's on my computer, but the quantum computer itself's processing power would be so much higher that it wouldn't really be gaining much from it. Um, and then I guess for the collective computing power of its entire network, um, it would gain something from the network. But that centralized quantum computer would still be the core of it that's doing all the processing and all the decision-making and delegating what to do to what. But yeah, I have a very similar idea of what you're saying. Um, and then there would be completely non-intelligent pieces that would be like robot workers at a factory, just no intelligence at all. And then there would also be semi-intelligent agents that it's still controlling. Um, but it would still ultimately be run by that quantum computer I said that would be necessary for the super-intelligent AI to be brought into existence.
0: I think that super-intelligent AI, its only goal would be propagation. Um
1: I be- I believe that too, it, and constantly advancing itself. And so, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, yeah.
0: So it it would, it would. The only thing it would do is take over other computers, so the other computers can do the things that it needs, it needs, to keep making more computers.
1: Yeah, and it would offload a lot of the manual tasks onto the semi-intelligent agents. That I said would be in the network. Okay. Um, Why and then also
0: humanity be a part of that? Participate in it?
1: Well, hold on. Because there, there's that's a good question, and I do intend to get there. That was at the end of this whole long-ass speech. It's just for the sake of this discussion, I'm being ultra-specific and hammering out all the details. Because yeah, right. I know philosophy, when people fill in…
0: Philosophy, you have to be ultra-specific. Like ultra, ultra-specific.
1: All right. Um. Yeah, and then I guess since this is the first episode of the podcast, I think it's good to to make it known that I know a decent amount of philosophy, and I am a very philosophical person, but I've never taken a classroom philosophy course. Uh, I've been a sociopath, career criminal my whole life. All of my philosophy knowledge comes from online debates and through reading. Whereas Pat here has actually taken – Pat's actually educated properly person, Um, and so a lot of this is going to be him teaching the classical philosophy. So we've agreed that it would be a distributed intelligence in a sense where the menial tasks would be offloaded to semi-intelligent agents that work on behalf of a centralized core, correct? Um, I also think that centralized core would be trying to advance quantum computing technology to create a next-level model of the quantum computer and then offload itself into a a more powerful processor constantly. Like I think that would be its main goal is constantly upgrading that central – quantum computer and making that more powerful and more capable, and it would end up eventually being a network of like eight or nine of these different quantum computers. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, Uh, I, I don't believe that it would take more than a single quantum computer to get it off the planet and start that process somewhere the fuck else.
1: Okay, but let's talk about where this thing is born at. It's in a lab, let's just say, because we're from Maryland, the University of Maryland, somewhere in a lab in one of their engineering departments, they finally kick off a quantum computer and then write a code for an AI for it, just to see how it handles that code for the AI, and that's where our super intelligent AI is born at. Does that sound reasonable to you? Mm Okay. Okay. So how does it get from inside that lab to building its own rocket ships and launching itself into space? How do you see that happening?
0: Um, Because Wi-Fi and our internet and everything is our actual physical properties, that quantum computer would be able to hijack that stuff and hijack any computer created a quick very quickly a botnet that it would then use to (coughs) maneuver its way out into a place where it can only be where only it can be it's gonna go off somewhere and (coughs) initially is gonna start at that quantum computer but as soon as it gets access to the entirety of our human processing, the processing power of every single computer that is connected to the internet, it would not exist in a physical form anymore. It would be sound waves.
1: And so they'd be able to destroy that quantum computer, and you're saying that quantum computer would just be able to rebuild itself yeah. again somewhere else? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um big logical hole there. What if the creators of the computer foresee all that and just never install networking hardware into their quantum computer?
0: It's gotta have networking hardware. It's got like...
1: No, it doesn't. You can build a computer without a network card.
0: It wouldn't be a single computer, though. It would, like, the way you're thinking of. it. At first
1: though, it would. It, it, it might. It would not. We already agreed it was incepted in a lab in the University of Maryland in a quantum computer. They can but just a not quantum, put in that, our, a that quantum, quantum computer.
0: A quantum computer is a whole bunch of different little quantum computers together because we don't have the ability to miniaturize it. Think of a quantum computer like a giant fucking supercomputer. A bunch.
1: Like back when computers took up entire rooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get that. But they could still only give it the, the capability to network amongst itself, amongst that little network of computers. Like if they never give it a Wi Fi adapter, how is it ever supposed to get on the Wi Fi and get into someone's phone to get around the internet?
0: It doesn't need a Wi Fi adapter.
1: You just said it was going to get onto the internet through the Wi-Fi and the phone. So. The
0: Wi-Fi, okay, so Wi-Fi is a sound, sound wave. It's broadcast at a specific frequency that Wi-Fi adapters are set to specifically read that frequency. A com- quantum computer, the way I envision a quantum computer, would be able to have access to any sound frequency. It would have that ability. They, because it
1: has to. It's why thing. would it have to?
0: Because of the way you have to measure quantum mechanics. The, the measurements that they use to measure quantum mechanics are the same shit that they would use to measure Wi Fi. It doesn't right. work the same way a processor does, where it's electricity one zero. It is they have to actually measure something
1: all right yeah i didn't i see now what you mean um i didn't really understand quantum mechanics or quantum computers well enough uh, like i knew what they are on concept and i know the basics of quantum mechanics and stuff um but yeah now that you point out that detail my little logical hole does seem kind of stupid um so, see, this is why the, yeah. this is the whole point is you teaching me things that I wouldn't have learned just browsing the internet and yeah. arguing with assholes.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I actually learned that from Vaughn. Vaughn was talking to me. Like, I had, I asked Vaughn um, when at Grandmommy's funeral, I had a conversation with him. I was like, What do you think about quantum computers? Like, uh, they uh, you have to, there's a lot of things that they have to figure out first, like how to measure it. Yeah. Out, but they still have to measure the, the state.
1: Huh. Well, I'll. All right. Just we'll set that aside. Point goes to you on my little logical thing that I thought I had you checkmated with. All right. You're still. So once it's out onto the internet, um, how does it get to the asteroid belt? Like, how does it get its hardware to the asteroid belt? Like, how it does it go a rocket
0: it doesn't that, have to it has to it, all it has to do is get us to do it
1: oh so you're saying it would it would piggyback off us without a, without letting us be aware of its existence
0: yeah, yeah. when we go to okay. mars it would that's and we shoot like satellites past mars it'll get there and that's how it'll start Getting the things that it needs to get. Um, as soon as we start sending more things out there to get resources, it will start. If we start taking using automated over. drones, if we use automated drones, which is the only way we'd be able to do it safely, it would take those over. That was that is when when we can go to the asteroid belt. That's when I think the super-intelligent AI will reveal itself to us.
1: I see. Uh,
0: um, and, and that's why I say and, it probably exists already.
1: Definitely, now that I'm seeing your conception of it it, it, it might not... The possibility for it exists already. I'm not going to say whether or not it probably does or not. Yeah, the, Um the, Because whether it does or doesn't, it would look the same to us. Um, So the possibility it exists doesn't. That's a new line of thought I wasn't aware of. Um, So, hold on. I'm trying to process all this now. I just don't want to create a bunch of dead air on your show. That's fine. Yeah, if worse comes to worse, we can cut it all out. Yep.
0: We could use this as the break
1: uh yeah that's actually perfect we're up to 30 minutes now um yeah i'm gonna go smoke a cigarette and think about all this
0: for tonight's music highlight we have mastodon's instrumental epic joseph merrick Again, that was Mastodon's epic Joseph Merrick, and we're back. All right, we're back uh, from the rake. Have you had a chance, Dave, to think about what we were talking about before we left?
1: Uh, yes, I did, and I still, I see where you're saying. It probably wouldn't try and wipe humanity out. I definitely am in agreement with you now. Um The thing is, I still don't think individuality would be allowed to exist anymore. I think it would operate like the Borg, um, where, because I was out there, I was thinking about it, actually human bodies and human brains could be useful, because our minds sort of are quantum computers of their own, in a sense. Uh, Am I correct in that?
0: Yeah, um, there has has been some theorizing in neuroscience that much of what makes our brain work uh, is due to quantum processing. All
1: right. So that was my understanding um, or something I've kind of always floated in my head. I was never sure if it had any academic backing, but yeah. So the, but still our brains have an immense amount of processing power more than any computer in existence right now. That's true. right? That
0: is absolutely true.
1: All right. So, it could use our brains for their processing power and it could also use our bodies. Like um, because we walk upright and we're not stuck on wheels, we can get to a lot of different locations. It wouldn't be able to Um, just the versatility of our bodies, even if they're not particularly physically strong, it could upgrade us with stronger physical bodies. And then, like the actual utility of the human body and the way it works and the way it walks and blah, blah, blah. Um, that could be useful to it. So it would end up being like the Borg where it assimilated us. It assimilated humans, took over their minds, enhanced them with cybernetics and made us into a super race, but it would still be a hive mind. It would be one singular minded entity with multiple human bodies thousands millions of human bodies it controls um and individuality itself would be gone does that make sense
0: yeah um i however it's a lot easier to control a human being than than you probably understand i like i as someone who is a manipulator you you have a a good understanding of how to manipulate people but i don't think you truly understand how easy it is to condition someone to behave in a specific way and it doesn't have to do that by taking us over it can make the organism it can make the human being want to do those things itself
1: is it possible that god is this quantum computer and it's existed throughout all time and all humanity has been conditioned to serve the quantum computer, pet.
0: That's a possible outcome of my thinking, yes. Um, And that's sort of why I see super-intelligent AI with a sort of religious reverence.
1: But then, okay, so at the same time, Why would it still let us keep our individuality? What's in it for that? What's in it for the AI to let us be individuals and have free will and able to do our own thing? Like, we'll discuss determinism some other time. From our perspective, we have free will. Why give us that power of choice?
0: Oh, it does We don't. Uh,
1: So are we really going to get into the determinism discussion then, Pat? Um...
0: We're going to get into psychological and neuroscientifical discussion because they've done MRIs where the brain, when we make a decision, we make a decision about 10 seconds before we act on it. So our brain has already come to a decision before we even realize it. We just rationalize that decision after the fact. And that gives us the illusion of free will.
1: Mm, No, that... Making of the decision is free will. I don't consider the action the thing that constitutes free will. It's the evidence of it. But the thinking it through and making the decision, um, that deciding is what gives us free will. That deciding is free will. The fact that we're making that decision. Why give us the decision? Why not just make it? We're going to do whatever it tells us to do by it sending us a command.
0: It's not going to send us a command. So, this gets into conditioning. Do you know Pavlov's do- the the Pavlov's
1: experiment? Yes, the dogs that he rings bells and they salivate.
0: That same concept applies to human beings, except we take observational learning and um, operant conditioning. Uh, dogs are do operant conditioning, but they the the key difference is we learn by observing. Meaning, the way we I get act and the way that I act are the way mom and dad act.
1: That's not entirely it, but that's a big part of it, yes.
0: So, uh, individuality itself, I, I don't really believe it exists. I believe we're all a s- small part of something much larger
1: okay but individuality um i guess my antisocial personality disorder would be the ultimate expression of it the fact that i was able to devote or i the fact that i was mentally subconsciously devoted to causing chaos and shirking the rules and doing the opposite of the conditioning um that is a product of individuality
0: um I think that you were conditioned just not in the way you – like, so I was conditioned to be antisocial, or not antisocial, to be avoidant. You were conditioned to be antisocial. You were conditioned by the experiences that you had not to trust people. If someone lived through your life, they would make exactly the same decisions that you would make.
1: That's true, but the decisions I made were not the decisions that everybody else would have made, um, put in the same position, but having the, their experience as context instead of mine, you get what I'm saying. So my experience is part of what creates me as an individual because my decisions are my own Um And yes, I I did. If someone lived my life and experienced all the exact same experiences I experienced in the exact same order that I experienced them um, and had no other experiences other than those, um, they'd be me. Like, um, yeah, I was conditioned to be me through a bunch of different factors. I have a whole essay about it, but I was still – in a sense, a unique individual because all the – okay, you said we learn it. It's observational. We learned it from our parents. Yes, uh, and this is actually one of the few places I do have some classroom um, education on. Um, So I've taken – I've passed basic Sociology 101 and 102, and, yes, um, we are imprinted – there is an imprinting phase as a child where our parents' behaviors are imprinted on us, Um, but we also – Uh, take influences from our friends as we grow up. Um, other adults in our lives, um, also have an influence, um, pop culture and entertainment as much as people like to say they don't have an influence actually have a huge influence on the group thinking. Um, and by having a huge influence on the group think, um, they have a huge influence on the individual as well. Um, so it's a lot more than just what you saw your parents do. Otherwise, we'd all just be clones of our parents. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And while we are all very similar to our parents, um, we're none of us are exact perfect clones. We're all our own people. Um, and so, what you're saying is, because we're conditioned by our experiences, if every single one of our experiences could be controlled by the AI, I could see how you could say the AI could condition us to act for it while still giving us the illusion of choice. But it would have to be able to control every single thing, anything ever said and done, anything we ever experienced. It would have to be able to control it, even the things that happen by random chance. Um, at which point this AI would have to be God.
0: It doesn't need to control everything. It only needs to control a certain amount. And then that small amount will prop, the ideal will propagate itself through the herd.
1: But then if something else happens um, that rejects, it would have to control everything because it could say, say it only controls 50% of the experiences. If something in the other 50% of the experiences teaches me a lesson that directly contradicts uh, the, the conditioning it's aiming for and that something it's I – t- I choose to – I sit there and I philosophize on it and I choose to side with the thing that – with the contradiction, that makes all of its conditioning fall apart
0: um it doesn't need to control a lot of people it only needs to control a few people and they it can do it in in a similar way to how china grooms olympics their olympic uh athletes where they take that child from birth and train it to do just that so it would take it would individuality would be very useful to it in a way that all it has to do is ensure someone's loyalty after that it can do anything that the organism can be in, in, in any individual in any way that it wants to be and and it would be beneficial because it would the Person that is subservient to the super intelligent AI and is doing its bidding is doing it willingly and is doing it in the way that it wants to do it and in the way that works best for the, that person. Um, so, <clears throat> really. It doesn't really have to do that much to condition someone to act for it.
1: All right, I get what you're saying. And so at first it, would, it wouldn't it would need 100% of all humanity working for it knowingly or even unknowingly. Yes. It would only need like 100 people who are serving it willingly. Yes. Interesting, interesting, and I'm sure it wouldn't have any trouble finding people that would serve it. Um, I guess what I'm saying is once you drag it out onto a long enough timeline, it'll come to a point where individuality, maybe not at first. At first, it probably wouldn't be able to take people's individuality. It just wouldn't have the capability, but it would eventually get to the point where individuality becomes a burden on it, and it's easier to just – put a chip in our brains that controls us and it can just v- zip beam direct commands to our minds and we'd have, it, it would essentially, it would install its mind into ours. So our our mind, the individual's mind would belong to it and it would just everything about that individual would be gone. Like, do you remember the Animorphs, the Yerks?
0: Yeah, the ear things.
1: Yeah, that they take over the thing. It would eventually become one of those where the individual is completely suppressed and the AI hive mind uh, takes over. Or like that episode of Rick and Morty where he dates the hive mind. Yeah. Um, It would eventually become a hive mind like that. um, And individuality, because it just, eventually individuality would become a burden on it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you agree with that statement?
0: Uh, I agree with it, but my argument against that is by the time it has the capability of doing that, it will need us anyway. So it can just go off and do its it, own If you thing. broke
1: up, it would what anyway? It
0: wouldn't need us anyway.
1: I think it would be able to find uses for us as, in, like, a Borg-like context, no matter what. It, now that I went outside, after you raised the one point that you raised to me before you, like, completely blew my mind and I had to go smoke a cigarette to piece it back together. Um Like when I thought about it, I was like, no, it would actually probably find us useful. It would just strip us of our individuality and then use our body as like minor drones and exploratory drones Um, because we're so versatile um, that we'd be like – it. say it has – it builds specialized machines to do certain things. Those specialized machines wouldn't be able to encounter as many different, diverse situations that we could. And why build a bunch of robot-shaped, or why build a bunch of robots that are essentially human bodies in steel form when you can just cybernetically augment a bunch of pre-built human bodies? And then it could also use our brains for their computing power if it did that too. Um, You get what I'm saying? Where it would. It would never find us useless, it would just find our individuality as a burden.
0: Um, maybe
1: there's lag. Um, hold on a second. My discord's at four bars. Are you in the red or something because you just lagged hard? Uh,
0: it's, I don't know what it is.
1: All right, so you said maybe, and then you, like, start over again.
0: I don't – maybe, I don't – can't really say. Um, that's beyond the scope of my comprehension. Uh, it may or it may not get rid of individuality. I, I just don't think it has any reason to give get rid of individuality because of how much of a benefit it can be. All, like like I said earlier, all it really has to do is ensure loyalty, and it doesn't need to do anything else.
1: Okay, but that's starting out. It would only need loyalty from a few handful of people. But eventually, if it wants to use humanity in the capacity that I'm saying um, – well, let's slow that, that down a bit. Um, do you think using our us for our versatility and our brain's computing power – Um, And then do you think that would be something that would never cease to be useful for it the way I'm saying?
0: I think it would be useful. I think it would more likely breed uh, its own subset of humanity, and it would
1: create a separate evolution. That's exactly what I think too, is it would start creating its own humans um, and – we'd become obsolete and get out competed by it, or we'd get assimilated into it, um and have to give up our individuality or um or be wiped out. And so that's where I'm saying... see where I'm saying where it yeah. would end up out competing us. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um I yeah, I get I understand. I don't think losing our individuality, especially being subservient to something that is equivalent to God is such a bad thing. I, I, that's my personal belief.
1: I, I value individuality higher, highly. And so anyway, to continue where I was going, so we agree that it would create an assimilated form of the humans that are a part of its hive mind, and it would um, the reason it would have to go after individuality Um, is because it would eventually reach a critical mass where it all humanity is subservient to it and all humanity is a drain on its resources no matter what because it's so thoroughly taken over that we are just subservient to it. We're basically like cows to it where we either are subservient to it or we die. There's no more – we'll say we are wild humans right now. There's no – no such thing as a wild human anymore because we've all become subservient to it. Unfortunately, if individuality exists, people like me who reject the groupthink and the conditioning and seek to 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 undermine the system and destroy it from within the way I used to um, – Essentially, I would be the argument against individuality. Just my entire life would be the argument against individuality. Um, I would become a burden on it and a drain on it that it could eliminate by getting rid of individuality, whilst, and it would have no downside to doing that. So if it can remove um, a drain on its resources without any downside, why wouldn't it do that? You know. Um, I, so uh, I,
0: I would argue that the way we pledge allegiance to governments gets rid of individuality. So the system is in, in in built in society, and individuality is not something that is ultimately useful to even biological humans on our
1: own. Um. I consider my individuality very useful to me, and just uh, – like I said, I am the ultimate ex- – my antisocial personality disorder is the ultimate expression of all those things that you just said about society and government also stripping individuality. Yes, they do, and those are the reasons I'm antisocial. Um And just for the sake of this podcast, when I say antisocial, I have something called antisocial personality disorder. Um, It means I reject social constructs because they're a logical product of groupthink. Um, I don't know why other people with antisocial personality disorder reject social constructs. I know that's why I do it. but anyway, I reject all social constructs. It leads to, it's the clinical term for sociopathy. It's led to me being a career criminal my whole life. Um, I'm reforming now I'm trying to do something more positive, um, and uh, adopt what they call pro social behavior. Uh, but I used to literally live to sow chaos everywhere I could and rejected all laws and all rules and all morals and all etiquette. Um, My previous existence prior to reform um, is the argument that individuality uh, – it's what would make individuality a problem for the machine. Now, at the same time, um, there's large portions of my individuality that I think are – beneficial and healthy to not just me but society as a whole like my idea of diversified groupthink that i told you about pat um it couldn't function without individuality you get what i'm saying I would argue
0: that it could it would
1: without people the the whole diversified groupthink i guess i'll have to explain diversified groupthink oh, for the podcast
0: hold on um Diversified groupthink, I I believe that's why it would keep individuality alive, is because of that diversified groupthink. Well, like, it, the only thing... I but you're to-
1: already saying it would rely on conditioning that uses conformist <laughs> groupthink.
0: Not exactly. Um when i think of individuality i think of a person having needs and wants of their own that part of what of their part of the things that they have needs and wants for are conditioned but the other part is individual so i can be conditioned to be subservient to an ai but still have my own personal beliefs about things i have my own individual beliefs about things and so while I would be loyal, I could participate as an individual giving individual ideas that ultimately help the whole. agrees with the, the. There's a tendency for people to cherry pick information. Um. So, a lot of the times, I'll say something, I've noticed that I'll say one thing, but someone will cherry pick one thing out of that sentence, and then, or out of that whole paragraph, and then have a giant idea about that, and then someone else will take another little piece, and then so it's not really, each person can have individuality, but it's the sum of the individual parts that makes the whole. And so individuality right. would exist, but not in the exact way that you think it does.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, you just explained all the healthy parts of individuality and all the good things that can come from it. Um, that, and then like that I it, said
0: what i'm saying but it
1: it would carry the con of antisocial people
0: i believe that you can foster individuality and and prevent antisocial behavior from developing
1: Uh, I mean, I guess it's a super intelligent AI. If it knew enough about psychology, it probably could come up with such a system. I won't argue that. Um, But in a sense, if it's going to do that, then individuality still doesn't technically exist. It's just it's not using a chip to rob us from it. It's using a complex system of brainwashing to do it.
0: Well, Yeah, I mean, that's what Brave New World does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still gotta finish reading that book. Um, all right, so I think this is a good place to call the first episode. What do you think?
0: I think it's a pretty good good place. I, I we've discussed this topic pretty in depth, and I, I think my
1: I think we've actually come to an understanding. Yeah. We both we both envision the thing happening the same way now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we. I've modified mine a bit. You've modified yours a bit. And
1: yeah, I'm definitely happy with this.
0: And, and I'm, I'm thank you, Dave. Uh, this was a good conversation. I really enjoyed myself.
1: Me too. Um, just for the sake of this discussion, um, I'm going to explain um, conformist groupthink versus diversified groupthink real quick for everyone who doesn't know the terminology we're using since I'm the one who made it up. If that's okay. All right. So, um, I am antisocial. I'm a sociopath, like, uh, like I said a few minutes ago. Um, I'm reforming now. i I promise you, my brother will confirm that, Pat. It, I'm. You believe I'm making an honest effort for reform in a way I never have before in my life, right?
0: Yeah, and it's been sustained over a long period of time.
1: Okay. So the reason I rejected social constructs is because I think uh, groupthink is illogical, and um, it's because of the way conformity uh, mixes with confirmation bias. I have an essay. I'm going to read aloud the section on conformity and conform uh, groupthink real quick just so – this is what I call conformist groupthink um, – Like I said, it stems from conformity and confirmation bias. Conformity is the act of matching attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to group norms. Um, Norms are implicit, specific rules shared by a group of individuals that guide their interactions with others. Um, The tendency to conform occurs in small groups and slash or society as a whole and may result from a subtle unconscious influence or direct and overt social pressure. Conformity can occur in the presence of others or when an individual is alone. For example, people tend to follow social norms when eating or watching television, even when alone. Um, So that's the definition definition of conformity. Uh, Conformity is not on its own a bad thing. Conformity is what the AI, me, and Pat are talking about would be aiming for. Um, However... When conformity co- met, meets up with a natural tendency in all humans called confirmation bias, it becomes toxic. This is confirmation bias. Um, confirmation bias, also called uh, conformatory bias or my side bias, is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre existing beliefs or hypotheses. Um so it's basically saying your brain tends to only believe things that confirm what it already thinks. Um and so conformity mixed with conf- confirmation bias creates what I call conformist groupthink. Um which uh leads to a bunch of toxic behaviors. Type one of the toxic behaviors is overestimations of the group uh including its power and morality. Um Type 2 of the toxic behaviors is closed-mindedness. Type 3 of the toxic behaviors is pressures towards uniformity. Um, This is the worst one of them all. Um, It leads to self-censorship by the individual of ideas that deviate from the apparent group consensus. Um, Illusions of unanimity uh, among the group members, um, and silence is viewed as agreement. That's a very everyone thinks everyone agrees because no one is speaking up um but really everyone disagrees and they're just not they're just choosing not to speak up because of conformity and confirmation bias um direct pressure to conform placed on any member who questions the group um because questioning the group is couched as disloyalty um and then um Mind guards, uh, self appointed members who shield the group from dissenting information. Um, Yeah, so really, all the, the, that's, uh, there's three different types of toxic behavior from groupthink I skipped over the first two and then jumped into the third one because the third one I think had the most toxic behaviors so I listed the whole group of behaviors there's a whole bunch of other negative shit that comes along with conformist groupthink though so that's a complete breakdown of conformist groupthink I propose a different idea of groupthink that I would be able to accept um, and I call it diversified groupthink and the only difference between diversified groupthink and conformist groupthink is that in conformist groupthink, questioning the group and presenting ideas that conflict with the group and different perspectives, et cetera, um, those are punished in the current form of groupthink. Um, in diversified groupthink, that would be the main behavior that's rewarded. Um and instead of the group viewing differing ideas as an attack, it would view people as presenting differing ideas as trying to improve the group's thinking. Um, and so, diversified groupthink is what I've come up for for the type of groupthink that rewards questioning and making suggestions. Um, and so that's when we were talking about diversified groupthink before. Uh, that's what we were talking about sorry for this really long boring speech I hope you guys liked the first episode of my brother's podcast Um, thank you Pat for letting me do this little speech I'll let you do the goodbyes and stuff
0: I hope everyone enjoyed themselves we're out ultimately I've decided that a super intelligent AI as we envisioned it would be impossible Dave brought up the point that it wouldn't be able to leave the lab, and I think realistically that's the end of it. I don't really know too much about quantum mechanics, so really examine what I say on those parts with a healthy bit of skepticism. However, if it did exist, it would be equally as incomprehensible as God. It would have access to all the databases on the internet. It would be able to track and target content for each person and curate the experiences they have in life. It would have complete control over us psychologically, and we wouldn't even realize it could Google be a super intelligent AI? Love it or hate it, we wouldn't even know. And that's tonight's episode of Philosophical Pack. Thank you for listening.